welcome to the MSV Homes podcast, Home Truths, with me, Sarah, Kate and Ruth. Throughout this series of podcasts, we'll be tackling different topics and chatting to our colleagues and people in our communities about their own lived experiences, the highs, the lows and everything in between. Welcome to our first ever episode, The Ally. With pride on the horizon, we wanted to chat to people about their own LGBTQ stories. Sarah met with MSV's Chief Executive Charlie Norman and colleagues Craig Moran and Kath Coombe, who have been frank and honest about their experiences. We really hope you enjoy it. So, Charlie Norman, welcome to the very first of um, MSV Homes podcasts, Home Truths. And for this podcast, we're talking about pride and, in some cases, pride and prejudice, but obviously lots going on at MSV at the moment and all very positive. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me a little bit about your background yeah. um, at MSV and why you're interested in joining the Pride Group. Okay, thank you. And thank you for asking me. You're welcome. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I'm very happy to be part of the Pride Group. And um, I think MSV is just got going from strength to strength in inclusion and diversity work. It's just phenomenal. I think one of the reasons that it's working really well, and I feel very strongly about this, is uh, because individuals within the organisation who've either got lived experience or they've been affected by or they're an ally of um, different groups have come together to actually stand, take a stand against things or to promote things and celebrate diversity and and that's been brilliant and it's led it's very much supported by me as chief exec of the business I, I think it's absolutely wonderful what people are doing but it's very much led by people within the organization and I think that's been superb so um so for me um I mean I've got a very long history of being particularly interesting uh, interested in um LGBTQ plus um matters and um, I do think it's it's one of those areas that you know you, you hear still to this day you hear about some cultures and in some parts of different societies where it's not acceptable to be gay where people are being killed and persecuted and um, both from my own perspective um, as somebody who's I've always questioned my own sexuality um, And I've recently started talking about that because of the work that we've been doing in Pride. Um, But also, I've got very much close... I consider myself to be an ally of um, um, LGBT people. Um, I think what's happening with trans people at the moment and the persecution of trans people is just shocking. I have lots of conversations with the chair of our board, Martin, who regularly um, is uh, has to suffer suffer homophobic attacks and comments, uh, and he tells some horrific stories about things that have happened, and he shared with me only last week the um, the two chaps that got beaten up in Birmingham uh, with bottles uh, and were quite seriously injured, and that was just an outright homophobic attack in 2021 because of who somebody chooses to love, and I just I, for the life of me, I can't understand it, to be honest. So, um, so I think I think it's great that we're talking about it. I think it's great that we're learning more about it. Um, 
think we all need to be a bit more competent about our understanding of all of the different issues. And uh, I know the Pride group have brought, as well as talking amongst themselves and having that, creating that safe space to talk about things, um, getting people. So uh, my good friend Darren from George House Trust, the chief exec there, came to talk to the group about AIDS and HIV and an understanding and awareness of that and then we had some training with Stonewall which was fantastic and I think we're all learning and every day is a school day and it's, it's important for that allyship and that understanding to be able to empathise with people so I think what the work the work of this group as well as what they're doing with um, customers and House Proud and uh, Raising the Roof project and the pride celebrations and all of that is just amazing so I'm more than happy to be part of all of that. So you just touched a little bit then on allyship, mm -hmm. what do you think makes a good ally? Well I always remember my um, my friend Jamie when I was growing up at school um, and Jamie was questioning his sexuality from a very young age and uh, and then came out when we were about 14 which was in the 80s and it was a very difficult time for him to come out and um, he got a torrent of abuse all the time because he was very openly gay uh, and uh, wanted to talk about it but people just weren't accepting of it and I didn't know the con I was you know that age I had no idea the concept of allyship and being an ally um, but I felt that I was his ally and um, I would try and um, support him and help him with, you know, his lack of, well, I, I suppose lack of support that he was given, uh, but also with his mum and um, just generally um, advocating for him and, and sort of standing up for him in public and all of those things and, and asking him the questions and not being afraid to ask the questions about understanding what, what it means to be a gay man and all of those things. So. I think it's that empathy and understanding and uh, being open to things and, and discussion uh, and then actively taking a stance if there is any um, kind of discrimination or homophobia or transphobia or whatever it might be um, and, and actually stating it and saying you are an ally and it's an active thing, it's not just that you're saying it but you're doing it as well, deeds not words. <laughs> um, so, and, you know, Jamie went on to be a really successful drag queen, actually, it was brilliant. Uh, and uh, I'm still in touch with him to the, this day. Um, well, thanks very much for sharing that with us today, Charlie. Mm. Um, I'm off to talk to Craig now. Fantastic. He's also <laughs> a member of our Pride group, um, and he's got lots to tell me, so I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, well, Craig's fantastic. Uh, I remember Craig and I um, sleeping out outside Manchester, Manchester Cathedral uh, a few years ago. We shared a few stories then, so, and I'm sure, it, I mean, I think it's fantastic that he's sharing... Um, his story as well and I think it'll, it'll, it'll be really interesting looking, for, looking forward to hearing from him. Craig Moran, well, welcome so much to the MSV Homes podcast, Home Truths. Um, and today we're here in lovely Manchester in the centre of Manchester on Canal Street. Um, and, and it's just so lovely to see you on such a sunny day. It's really lovely, you ordered the weather in Sarah. It's really lovely today. Um, 
obviously this podcast is about LGBTQ plus issues um, and I thought of all the people who can I really talk to and just have a very honest and open discussion and I thought I know my mate Craig <laughs> the one with the mouth okay <laughs> so I'm gonna dive straight yeah, in there um, and we're gonna go back to the beginning Craig yeah. tell me where you grew up Okay, so I grew up in Preston and I on a um, council estate. Uh, I was born in 69, so I was sort of as a child in the 70s. I was always probably a very obvious gay child. It was really not... So I've got, sorry, I've got two, I've got two older sisters and two older brothers. I'm the youngest. So of course I come along and they're like, what the hell is that? So, so I'm there. I'm straight into like my music. I like I like my drama. I like reading, and that was different for our for our family as well. So I'm a quite a different child, and I think I think it separated me almost immediately. Really, I think it separated me from my family almost immediately. They just didn't know what to do with me, to be honest. So, did you feel alone? Yeah, so I yeah, I was I was I was very alone as a child. I I uh I didn't connect really well with the boys in the street, so you know everybody played out. You play you must remember we used to play play out on the street. And then inside my own home, I was also different. And so when I look back, actually I feel like there was no rest for that kid. So he didn't find his place. He had no safe space. So my brother, my middle brother, bullied me forever, really, you know, with all those slurs that we all know. Um, I was bullied forever inside the house. And then, of course, the bullying started outside the house as well. So so there was just no rest for me, for that kid. I, I, it's weird, Sarah, now. I, I see it as a, another little boy now. I don't... And maybe that's... It easy to talk about so you don't identify with the child that you were I think I think I've distanced myself from that because I think looking back it's a little bit painful if I'm being totally honest I think you know where well when I'm grown up we I patch things with my dad to be honest uh, so my dad we had no relationship we had absolutely no relationship growing up I even tried once to be in a football team <laughs> And I am bad at football, right? But to try and get it with my dad, I tried to uh, be in a team and I was rubbish at it. Right? But that's okay, but it was for him. And he, he, my dad was a functioning alcoholic. So my dad came to see me play. I'll always remember it. My dad came to see me play. I must have been about seven or eight. Dad came to see me play. And then he went back to the pub without saying anything. And then when he finally came home, he slurred the words, you can't play football. And that was it. I think, I think I even gave up then trying to please anyone then and just went into my own shell, really. Uh, uh, school, again, was difficult in the early years. Again, I sort of didn't fit anywhere. I, I also went to a Catholic school, a very Catholic school. I know. So, so you know, straight away where I'm sort of told, I wasn't aware then, but, you know, being gay is a massive no-no in the 70s in Catholicism. Massive no-no. And 
so that's sort of difficult it was very regimented but also I, I didn't have friends as such or a special friend I, I had nobody and then but I did used to hang around with people and and one time I think it was about when I was about 10 they all just stopped talking to me for about two years so I had nobody then and I think they stopped talking to me as I look back at it because they started to guess because you were different to that them. I was different to them so they started to guess so they just stopped talking to me imagine that it's, it's sort of traumatic for a child so so pretty difficult actually um, throughout that whole time there was a lot of name calling more than more than physical bullying there was a lot of name calling um, I come from quite a as I said a quite a rough background actually and uh, I think I think I could handle myself a little bit. I think with my brothers, you know, I'd, I'd learned to handle myself. So I wasn't physically bullied that much, but I wa it was every day with the puff, you know, the, those kind of stuff. Yeah, so it was every day. And so it, that was really difficult. And then, then I went to high school and you would think it would get worse, but actually it became a joy because I met my best friend actually um, the, in the first year of high school, and uh, we we just became thick as thieves really, and we were just the same same sense of humour, same everything, and it you know of course we didn't say then, but we were both gay, so birds of a feather they flocked together, you know, and. And then it was a joy. Then through high school, I, you know, I had a sort of a great time, really. So, so it changed when I got a little bit older, to be honest. So after school, um, my parents were of the thoughts that you get a job as soon as you leave school. It was still that mentality. They brought that from how they were brought up. So they, but I didn't want to. I wanted to go to uh, further further education. So we got into big arguments and I sort of became homeless a little bit again difference between us so I was sort of uh, couch surfing really I had I never thought myself as homeless it's only looking back now you do because you don't if you're just staying with friends so then I I went to I went to further education uh, and then from then on I went no I didn't go to university I, I got a job after after um, A levels, I, I didn't want to go straight away, uh, and of course by this point I'm starting to come out now, so uh, which again is very difficult in a town called Preston, <laughs> you know. In we're talking we're up to about 1986, 87, on to 88 really, but I, I was starting to come out again really difficult because it's not something you would be going around telling everybody it's not you know you'd you would sort of hide it a little bit from everyone so even though I think everybody knew I didn't tell my mum and dad or anyone really even through through uh you know the traumas that you have when you you first loves and stuff even through all of that you you just kept on to it yourself and I think I also think I think that leads to sort of depression but then I just packed up and went to London and uh so just started a new life in London, really. Um, How did your life change when you went to London? Oh, so my life in London, it changed massively, really. It became, I became a lot freer. 
you know, you, in that time, you know, I don't know if you know uh, Compton Street. <laughs> Compton Street, it, it's like Canal Street of London. And Compton Street was like a, well, it was like a candy shop, really. <laughs> I'm 18, it's a candy shop. So it was a lot of fun. And, uh, and of course, my best friend moved as well. So, so we both moved down. So we were there and we, we had a lot of fun. And, uh, and my life changed massively. So I, I, I started university. I started my first long-term relationship. Um, and what I found actually, Sarah, and I think we still talk about it now, I find, find that when you're gay, you don't have the same or you didn't have the same barriers to to people of difference to you. So, so my first boyfriend was upper, upper middle class. I'm lower, lower working class, but it worked. You don't really see, you don't, you didn't see a lot of racism then. I know, I know it is a problem now and I, and I see that now, but at that time it, and I just felt like it, it opened every barrier that people put on themselves in Preston. There was, there was a lot going on then, Sarah. So the other thing that was difficult when I was coming out was that AIDS had, had come on the scene. And I, I think of myself as lucky. Had I been a, come out a few years earlier when they didn't know how you got it, by the time I came out, they knew how you got it. So I was ultra careful, like paranoid careful. Um, so I felt I felt very, very lucky to have come out. But of course, there was a lot of camaraderie then because people were dying. You know, people you saw in the pub were dying. People that you saw in your local pub had KS. They had the lesions on the face, you know, and, and then were gone. So even though, so I knew quite a few people who died of AIDS, but they weren't my best friends because I was, I was just one a few years afterwards. So I think that's why as well that there was a lot, of course there was Section 28 at that point. So Section 28, you went, there wasn't promoting homosexuality in schools. So we knew that the Tory government was against us. So there was a lot of cam camaraderie really. And, and I, think that's, I think that's why, but I also think, I think you, I re for myself, I rejected everything my parents stood for. I rejected some, you know, my parents, were racist in the early years they were homophobic so and and they were classist you know and I I just rejected that like I had nothing to do with that people were people so so it opened a world for me sir I, I traveled a lot you know I'd, I traveled a lot with that partner you know um, and it opened the world for me really so I People always used to ask then, and you, at first you never wanted to be gay. When you're first coming out, you go, oh, please, even doing the God thing. Oh, please, God, don't let me be gay. But after a while, you're like, yes, thank you. I'm glad I'm gay. So th that's where you get to because, it, you know, I, it just opened up a lot of the world to me, really. Um, and I was grateful for that. How's your relationship now with your with your mum, with your dad? Are they with us? Okay, so my dad died. My dad died uh, about 15 years ago. Uh, but saying that, we sort of repaired our relationship. So I'd, I'd obviously come back from London once every few months. And my mum would go to bed and then my dad 
who was still a functioning alcoholic, would get the whiskey out and we'd put the world to rights. And of course, we became really good friends then. And he used to ask me a lot of questions about my life. And he asked some questions that you're like, none of your business. But I loved that. And we became really good friends actually. And, and I'll always remember the night where I told him he was a shit dad to me as a kid and he cried. And for me, that's all I needed. I just needed him to, to just recognize and, you know, and just accept it. And from then on, Sarah, it was, uh, we were great friends. We were really good friends. So moving on in time, um, you ended up in Manchester. Um, what brought you here and <laughs> what is it you love about because I know you love yeah, Manchester love what is it you love um, I love Manchester it's just got its own vibe it's got its little pockets of neighbourhoods everywhere that's, that's walkable here you can walk from one place I can walk from my house which is like five miles away and never hit the road on the canals to here which I just love, and then there's all different vibes. So you've got, you know, the Northern Quarter, and now you've got Ancourts, and and I just love it. I, I've always thought that Manchester has its own vibe and its own way of dressing, its own its own style. And I also say, anywhere Manchester in the sun is better than anywhere in the world, I think. And that's where we are now, Sarah. Ain't in the sun. <laughs> How lucky are we? <laughs> I, I've known you for uh, a few years now, yeah. Craig, and one thing I do know about you is that you like to look after yourself yeah. and, and you're very into physical and mental well-being. Yeah. Um, why is that? What, what's important about that? Okay, so I had, um, I had a, quite a long episode of anxiety uh, before I came to MSB. The previous job, I, I just got bad anxiety. To be honest with you, it was homophobic bullying, but when I was in it, I couldn't see it. It was only when you were outside of it, you could see it. Um, so I left that job, but it left me with a really bad anxiety, which I was on medication for. I was having, um, I was having counseling uh, for, for about two years, actually, I had counseling. Um, and I found that during the counseling and going through some of the stuff I've just been talking about, going through and getting to peace with all of that, started me off on a, on a fitness journey, really, um, which also helped with my mental well-being. So if I exercise, I don't get anxiety at all. It, it, it's, if I don't exercise and, I, and it, you, know, you have a few days off, I can feel it a little bit coming on. So, so, I, so I exercise because it, it's really good for my mental well-being. COVID hit. And I was like, I am not going back to anxiety. I'm just not. So I really structured myself, Sarah, to to get to 12 o'clock or be before work, and it, or I get to 12 o'clock and it be an hour doing. I I got rid of my spare room and turned that into a gym. <laughs> so really selfish. Nobody was. Well, no one was coming. No one was staying. And it's also about aging as well. If I'm being honest, there's a a, a pressure on a gay man to to look good. So, you know, there is that. Um, but more so, though, it, it, I'm, I'm really scared of ageing badly. Not as in how you look, but physically and health. So my mum's, it scares me to death. She can't walk to the, to, the, uh, to the end of the path. And that just scares me to death as well. So it's that really as well. So um, I've heard this morning from Charlie about the new Pride group at yeah. MSV. 
Uh, I know you're a member of that yeah. group. Just tell me a little bit about the group. What is it for? Who is it for? Okay. What do you hope to achieve? Yep. Yeah, so it's a it's a real need, Sarah. So you know, you hear how we've come so far, and we have. We've come so far, but just this week we've had a beating up. I don't know if you've seen it in the media in Birmingham. They caught one of them yesterday. So, but that's a regular occurrence. It's here in Manchester. It's down in London. It's in Birmingham. It's in these small towns. It's in Preston, you know. And it just, it just carries on. And it's just like, when's that ever going to stop? This was a shocker for me this week. I'll just tell you this little story. So, so I watched. I, I sometimes work on the sofa. I don't know if you do. I work on the sofa, and the TV's in the background. And countdown was on. It was three o'clock. I'm doing a report. I thought I'll just have a look at it because Anne Robinson was is now presenting it. Somebody did a seven-letter word, right? And they said, "Yes, I've got a seven-letter. It's all good. What is it? Puffter. It it was broadcast, Sarah." Can you imagine it, any other group that would have to accept that as a thing? They've apologised now, but that's just last week. So I guess mine saying is that there's a real need for it still. I've come to MSV and felt really safe in in who I am. You know, I, I you know me now. I don't pretend to be anything else. I can't say that was always true, and I can't say that I used to talk in probably a deeper voice, and I wouldn't be crossing my legs like I am now. Um, so I've always felt really safe. So the real need is in that that people coming in can feel that safety that we that we a we can talk about it in a safe space. B we sort of now we celebrate and we you know we we bring it to people's attention really to other people to educate other people and visibility as well. So you know we're really visible and and being proud in that visibility. It's really hard in, in the workplace, I, in my past, to have that. And I think MSV is one of the places that we can have that. So I think that's the real need, Sarah. And I think it's, you know, we've got some... The other thing for me personally is that I want to learn as well, you know. I'm an old duffer now, <laughs> you know. And uh, so I'm learning stuff. I'm learning stuff from Joe about, you know, non-binary. It's not something that was part of my life when I was younger. I'm learning about transphobia from Kath, you know. It's brilliant, so I'm learning as well, and I want to go out and tell people about that. So so it's also about us learning from each other as well. So it's brilliant, really, and already we've got an action plan going. We want to celebrate, make sure that MSV's a 365 um, ally, you know. So just great, yeah, it's a real need for it. So um, I'm just going to finish off, Craig, with a bit of a fun question. Yeah. Tell me who your heroes are. Ah. <laughs> oh no! I can't. No, I can't. I can't. Can, can. I can't. So, uh, so my, I have a favourite writer, obviously, and he's my hero. Uh, Armstead Mopping. Do you know him? He wrote Tales of the City. Ah, I've heard. So of. Tales of the City was uh, was the books I used to sneak because they had gay characters in them and they were written really well. Uh, so I used to sneak these books and read. <laughs> And re- they, they started as a newspaper column and then became books in the 70s and 80s and I used to sneak them and hide them and hope nobody would see it. But also, it was the first time I recognised me. So that's one of my massive heroes, really. Um, I think he's the biggest one, really. He's the one I... The one, the one that stands out. Yeah, yeah. so... Yeah. Uh, Not me, then. No, no. <laughs>
Oh, Sarah, you'll always be my heroine. <laughs> pride, pride weekend, yeah. this weekend. Will you be celebrating? What will you be doing? Uh, I'm actually away this weekend. I'm at uh, Friends 50th. It's the first time the gang have got together again since COVID. So we're away in the Cotswolds, actually. But we will be celebrating Pride as well as 50th. Fantastic. So, Have yeah. an amazing time. Thanks very much. Thanks, Thanks a lot. So, Kath Coombe, good morning to you. Good morning. And welcome to the MSV Home Truths podcast. Um, Kath, I'm, I know that you're a member of our new Pride group. Just tell me a little bit about that. Why, why you're a member and why it's important. Um, I set up the Pride group uh, with a colleague of mine because uh, we do think it's uh, an important thing for the LGBT to be out there within the workplace. It's all about making people feel comfortable, um, letting people be who they want to be, not having to hide uh, from their sexual orientation. And I just think it, it, it's got to be forefront in your employer's um, mind to be mindful of, you know, the workplace and how people feel coming into work um it's it, it's just it's just really close to my heart the, the subject it's um i think it's like with myself being bisexual so um being bisexual what that means is i'd have a relationship with either a man or a woman and when i have a relationship with someone it's not the they're set it's not what sex they are it's who the person is I said I, I fall in love with the person um so you know I think with myself being bisexual it's like being able to um come out in a workplace and shout out what I am from the rooftops and I want other other colleagues to be able to feel the same to and feel able to be able to do that and Kath, I know also that your son is transgender. Um, can you tell me about his story as well? Um, yeah, uh, my son growing up, um, I gave birth to a little girl called Yvonne. Um, and do you know what? She was very, very girly. She had all the Barbies. I had no idea whatsoever um, about anything that was going to come forward. As far as I was concerned, I had this little girly girl. Um, I think I thought like with um, Yvonne growing up that I thought Yvonne would have been lesbian that's where I was getting with the college and everything um, but um, I found out by opening mail <laughs> rightly or wrongly a, a letter come through and it was from um, Manchester General Hospital and it was it was for Yvonne and I was like oh I didn't know anything about this I said so being a mum it's like what's Yvonne getting this letter for from, from Manchester Hospital? So I opened it and it was like to go and see someone with regards to transitioning. Um, also as well is um, a very scruffy girl and I went into her room to tidy up her bedroom and she'd leave her diary out on a page um, so that you couldn't anything but look at it. And it was writing down about how she felt and how she thought she was in the wrong body and everything like that. So cleaning her room I picked her up and I read that and then this letter um so she came home from college and I sat her down and I went have you got something to tell me and um she then said like how she felt and about transitioning and everything um I found it very hard I, I did find it really hard and I did sort of even though like 
I had had relationships with women and I was bisexual. I hadn't heard. I hadn't then heard of um, transgender or, you know, it was all still very new to me, even though I was sort of like part of the LGBT world, so to speak. Um, I said, and, like, we, we sat and talked and I said, well, where do we go from here? And it was, I need to change my name. And I went, right, okay. Um, so I was saying, oh, well, what are you going to call yourself? And uh, he chose Evan, which I thought was quite a strange name to pick. But as Yvonne, he, when he was sort of like transitioning with his friends without family knowing, they just called him Von. So he went to Evan, which was dead funny though, because he was she was always a big girl and we used to shop for her clothes from Evans's <laughs> so yeah all the hangers had Evan uh, Evans's on them so I said it was like he had personalized hangers so I used to like rib him a little bit about that you know bless him um but it was it was such a hard hard slog to be honest with you he would not you could always tell he was a woman uh, when he spoke. He was, you know, his voice hadn't, you know. So we um, signed up for uh, Charing Cross um, Transgender Clinic, but it takes such a long time. And my son pleaded and pleaded with me to um, pay for him to go private, you know, to receive testosterone, and I wouldn't. I said, no, you've got to wait. And and it, it it sort of it made it hard, and he really he really resented the fact that I wouldn't pay for him to go private and stuff like that. It's not that I had the money anyway, but I could have found it, you know. But I just wouldn't because I needed that clarity myself. That if you were waiting for it, then I knew if he had any doubts, he had that time. And, and of course, something like this, I mean, obviously, it, it was a huge thing for you and it was a huge thing for Evan. Um, what about the rest of your family? How, how did they feel about it and what impact has it had on them? Do you know what? My family were amazing. Um, my mum, I mean, you know, whatever. I think I threw that much at my mum when I was when I was growing up, to be honest with you, um, because it, I hadn't long had had Yvonne in fact um, I, I told her when Yvonne was not even 12 months old that I was going living with a woman and I was moving out of the house and I was going living with this woman and that's the first that my mum knew about any relationship with me with a woman so she'd sort of like been thrown quite a lot of obstacles in a way you know for an, an older person to deal with with me so I think like when Evan come out that um, you know he was he Yvonne said I wanted to be a boy I think my mum just said oh right okay <laughs> and my mum was absolutely amazing and um, my dad um, my dad my dad will do whatever my mum tells him to do anyway so but he was he was fine he found it a little bit harder and he would still say Yvonne and we'd say no it's Evan you know so it took a while for my dad but even to this day to be honest with you my dad still she's him and you know he'll call him Evan but he'll say where is she and we'll go dad it's he um but there's no malicious there's no maliciousness in it it's just it's just my dad I mean he is old habits dying quite hard (laughs) yeah definitely definitely I mean I must admit I mean 
sometimes I get it wrong, sometimes I'll still share, and it's been a long time, you know what I mean? And I go, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, or I'll call him Von, and he'll go, Mum, Von, and I went, oh, where did that come from? Do you know? <laughs> and as it, you know, it's just, it depends on where your mind's thinking. What would you say to other people um other families that are going or perhaps just starting out on this journey but that are going through something similar what would your message be to them as a family and as a mother that's gone through it yourself with your own child i would just say to them that at the end of the day it's your child you've got to support your child in whatever and the thought of losing evan because of i i, I I couldn't support him or I couldn't have faith in what he wanted to do or anything. It's just a no-brainer. No I mean, I did go through a lot of things where I, I did used to sit there and I'd cry and I'd think, why me? Why me? Why my child? What have I done? And I did have all them thoughts and I kept thinking, oh, you know. And I kept blaming myself because of the way, is it the way I've brought him up? But you know what, you, you can't blame yourself and what did it for me and I'd, anyone anyone who's like thinking oh I can't cope with my son or my daughter transitioning all at the time we had our soldiers coming back to what Mombasset is that the, and I was sitting there one Sunday morning and I'd had a cry that morning thinking oh god why me and I was just sitting there and I was watching these soldiers coming back and their families all queuing and the coffins all coming down the um, the road and it just sort of like a, like came and I was thinking I've still got my child these people have lost their their daughters their sons their brothers their sisters you know whatever these families are dev you know have been devastated but I've still got mine so you know give your head a wobble and and that's what I said to myself give your head a wobble you still got your you still got your boy you know you still got your child so you know and it that was the turning point and I would always say that to people you know yet they've not died they're still there and you know there's bigger bigger fish to fry than you know your, your child wanting to be a boy or wanting to be a girl or you know wanting to be lesbian gay or whatever there's there's bigger fish out there to fry um i must admit i don't sort of like you know things that are, are just for lgbt people or just for you know i like people i like i like to mix i like to, yeah i like the inclusion i like people to be together and and i think it's the only way the world will, and, and people will understand you know about different cultures and everything if we were we all came together um kath i know that you're very involved with house proud and out of house proud has come um the the very wonderful rainbow roofs just tell me a little bit about that um house proud is um a um, an organisation which is uh, supported by lots of other housing associations so we meet up and we we share best practices with regards to LGBT and through the House Proud um, that's where myself and my colleague Joe um, we started up our um, 
pr our pride um, for uh, MSV. But also as well is we had a customer conference, but it was pre-pandemic. And um, what came out of the com customer conference was that we needed um, a customer forum. And they decided they wanted to call themselves Rainbow Roofs. And things come out of there on what they want us want our organisations to achieve and action it as part of our um, MSV. So one of the things that came out of Rainbow Roos was organisations signing up to the House Proud Pledge. It's things uh, like that that the Rainbow Roos want us to do. They want us to celebrate different events. They've got their own Twitter account. And it's just basically just shouting out from the rooftops that they're there, you know. Tell me um, about Paul. Now, I know that Paul is um, an MSV customer. I know he's somebody that you've been in touch with for the last 18 months or so. Um, and uh, and his involvement with Rainbow Roos, because I've spoken to Paul and I know he's a, a, a huge fan of you and the group. Um, yeah, Paul, Paul is one of our customers and Paul came to me um, just during lockdown because I were doing uh, what are known as welfare calls, just making sure people were okay during lockdown and um, I made contact with Paul and we chatted and, and everything and um, I recommended to him the Rainbow Roos because he was, he was very lonely and he was stuck in the house. So I thought like joining Rainbow Roofs had opened up a, an avenue for him. He could meet people who were very similar to, to him with his sexual orientation. Um, and, you know, I said to him, right, on your first meeting, I'll come with you and I'll, I'll be on online and everything. So at least you've got, you know, someone who's there. But Paul's been a member of uh, Rainbow Roofs now for over 12 months and um, he, he really does thrive on it. In fact, he, he puts himself forward for lots of stuff. Um, he did a transgender poster to celebrate uh, Transgender Day. Um, he's done a, um, a filming uh, with regards to um, the pride in ageing and you know he, he does get he does get involved he has signed up to a lot to do with our virtual pride um i think he's, he signed up um for the uh, drag queen bingo and he did say he, he might dress up for that you know so um you know so we'll look forward to that anyway so just finally kath um what are you going to be doing this year for pride is it going to be a big celebration in your house um i did Pride has always been a big thing in my house. It always has been. Um, because, to be honest with you, I love going to Pride Weekend with my son because it's the only place where he feels comfortable and I feel comfortable. We could just go and we could just be ourselves and, and we could have fun together because he, he did suffer really badly with his mental health and there was, there was loads of times that where he just wouldn't go out the house without me being there because if he went anywhere he'd always have anxiety attacks and stuff so if I went out he came with us but Pride was the best place for us to be what we wanted to be and he loved Pride and he put all the glitter on his face and he glitter out his beard and, and he could just be what he wanted to be you know a gay trans man really um, but uh, like I say, it's been cancelled. Um, so I'm just I'm just away. So I'll be celebrating um, Pride 
at Cumbria uh, with me um, ready-made grandchildren that I've now got up in the relationship that I've got. So we're away for the weekend. Uh, so we'll celebrate Pride there. But I have got some um, um, Pride flags and stuff that I'm going to put up in the caravan. So you know, I will be, I will be. Um, yeah celebrating it in some way or other well let's just hope that next year is a better pride for everyone and we can actually all come together um, and have a good time on that float yeah do you know what it's going to be massive it is going to be massive next time i mean um yeah hopefully 2022 Bring on 2022. yeah it'll be the the best the best pride ever i think i mean i've got lots of memories from them all but i think 2022 is going to be Knock it out yeah place. Definitely, we'll go bigger and better. Kath, thank you so much. Are oh, you welcome anytime? Thank you. <laughs> a massive thanks to all our guests, Charlie, Craig, and Kath, for being so open in sharing their stories. Thanks for downloading the Home Truths podcast, and don't forget to click subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. If you have any suggestions about future topics, then we'd love to hear from you. Just visit our website at msvhousing.co.uk and search for Home Truths Podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and help spread the word. Mm-hmm.